Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning. I am glad that you are here again. We are concluding our Power of Three message series that we started back on the first Sunday of this month, and we're continuing it as to where we are now. And we're bookending it with the idea of relationships. If you happen to recall, on our very first Sunday in this series, we looked at how God as the Holy Trinity exists in perfect relationship. And the power of three, as it pertains to God and the Trinity, means that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They exist together with specific, unique, and individual common roles. They all are involved in creation God the Father is the one that gives us life, the Son is the one that redeems us, and the Holy Spirit is the one that sustains us and empowers us with the gift of God, the gift that keeps on giving. Then the second week, we talked about how the love of God is manifest to us in three different ways, and we use the illustration or the metaphor of a house based on how the founder of the Methodist movement, John Wesley, explained it and described it. He talked about how prevenient grace or preventing grace is like getting up to the front door. And I talked about how my neighbor that morning was uh, cooking eggs and, and bacon, and I could smell it cooking from the street. And I so wanted to go stand on the front porch and ask for uh, an invitation in. Uh, I didn't get one, but I also didn't knock on the door, so I can't blame my neighbor. But other than that, the justifying grace, the second stage of that grace, is the threshold that moves us from one part of our existence or understanding on the outside of the house. And the justifying grace, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, is what welcomes us across the threshold. And then the sanctifying grace component of it is what we see when we get inside the expansive house, right? You can only imagine what the house is like sitting from the outside looking in. But once you get in, you can see where everything is, right? You can see where the living room is and, of course, the most important room in the, in the house. Some of you think it's the bathroom or the kitchen. You know, I don't, you know, you don't have to say. Anyway, they're kind of equally important to me. But still, you, you see where the house is. You see how it's laid out and how it is all designed uh, to show us and welcome us home. Then last week, we talked about Christ in the grave and specifically the harrowing of hell and how those three days, what Jesus did is he took hell to hell so that he could lead us out of it and help us to experience what we already had talked about in the previous two weeks, right? The harrowing of hell, the redemption of humanity is what helps us experience the grace of God and what leads us into that relationship with God. And so now it comes full circle as we talk about godly relationships, godly relationships. Now, the bumper video that I chose uh, really spoke primarily about dating. But if you look at it and then kind of raise the gaze a little bit, you realize that it's so much more than just about dating. That it deals in so many different ways with how we understand or experience Godly relationships, right? Uh, I love the statement that he made, you know, a Christian-themed life at best. Now, there have been times when I thought for me that if I were just able to live a Christian-themed life, that was A-OK, -okay, right? At least I could have, oh, what the, what the Bible refers to as you know, the trappings of religion but lacking the power. 
It's about that invitation to draw us in closer, to draw us in deeper, to get us across that threshold and into the expansive reality of God's heart and God's home, which exists for you and for me. And so today, when we wrap up our Power of Three message series, we are talking about godly relationships. This is applicable, I believe, in our common relationships with each other, in our common relationship with God, our relationships that we have with our spices, you know, because spouses spice up life, or our significant others, or our children, or any relationship that we have, because we are created for the purpose of relationship. That's our first main point. If you've not yet done so, this would be a good time for you to pull out your Hope Church Plus app. We have the follow-along notes that are there, and we also insert them into our info guide. And so if you would like to follow along, I invite and encourage you to do so as we go through this, our third installment of our Power of Three message series, Godly Relationships. And as I just mentioned, we are created for the purpose of relationship. We are created for the purpose of relationship. And so I use Genesis so frequently in my teaching and my preaching because, well, a whole host of reasons. But right now, as we see the world veering off uh, the reality of how we see and experience the world and trying to uh, not just create but instill upon us a new idea of reality, I think it is so critically important for us to get back to the beginning and how and why God created and what it is that God did for us and through us in His Son and our Savior Jesus Christ. And the very first thing that we see as God is creating the heavens and the earth is we come to this reality that we are created for the purpose of relationship. When God created Adam and God created uh, the heavens and the earth and all the animals and, uh, and the trees and creation, everything else, when God created it, he created it for two purposes. One was for the purpose of relationship. God wanted to feel those tying connections to us, but he also created us and the world around us to glorify and magnify God's beauty. These are some of the reasons why when you were with someone with whom you just really connect, you experience uh, some I mean, chemistry is a word that we use, but it's so much more than that, isn't it? It's almost like there's a divine connection that we experience when we're together. You also can have similar feelings, not quite the same, perhaps when you're standing on the seashore, or you're standing on a mountaintop, or you're walking through a forest, or you are playing with your pet. And some of these things that are in creation that that seem like they have this chemical or electric connection to us. You just feel that there is something greater and something there. That is the power of God's divine love working and weaving. We'll get back to that word here in a few moments, working and weaving through our lives. In Genesis chapter 2, 18, though, we read this verse. I want you to pay attention to this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, what I hope that you will take away from that verse, this is the verse where God has already created Adam, and before God creates Eve from a rib, God has created the heavens and the earth, and he's called just about everything good. A couple things he calls very good, but this is the very first time in the scripture that we read, and it is revealed to us that God looked at creation and saw something was not good. Now, does this fly in the face of our understanding of God's perfection? Please say no. No, of course not. 
Of course not. This is the next step or the next phase that moves us from our current reality into God's full expectation of how it is he wants us to live and to move and to find our being in him and with other people and in the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. God says it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, of course, the name Adam, it is the Hebrew word for humanity. So when we see God creating Adam, we can read that as God created an individual man named Adam, but we also see it as God creating humanity. It is not good for us individually or for us corporately to be alone. That's one of the reasons I think that I hear so frequently people who have experienced the live stream of our worship celebrations and they come into the room and say, oh my gosh, it is so much different in person, right? You can get the content, you can get the music, but you can't get that divine electric chemical energy that happens when we are together in God's house, right? It is not good for humanity to be alone. Now, of course, sin gets in the way of that and creates this fissure, so to speak, that separates God from humanity. And this is the reason why we talked about last week and the week before that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to take the burden of our sinfulness that separates us from God so that we can once again come back and experience the fullness and the hope of a fully connected relationship with God right here and right now. We don't have to wait until we cross that threshold into eternity to experience a powerful, loving, living relationship with God. We can experience it right here and right now when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. Why? Because it is said here in the Scripture in black and white that it is not good for a man or humanity to be alone. We need God. We need each other. We need God. We need each other. And the first time we see in the Scripture that God says something is not good, is when he recognizes the power of isolation and loneliness. We are living through a season, hopefully we're coming at the end of it, where so much of that was thrust upon us, right? In our response to the COVID-19 virus, lockdowns, isolation, mask wearing. I'm not denigrating it, I'm talking about the sociological reality that's happened on the other side of it. We've lost that sense of connection. It's almost like we've become comfortable in isolation as long as we can get DoorDash and Netflix, right? As long as you can feed my cravings, I'm okay in isolation. Folks, I struggle with it. As an introvert, there are parts of that that really made my soul sing, but there's nothing like being back together in God's house with God's people. And recognizing how treacherous it is for us to be alone. Why is it treacherous? Because then we become susceptible to the temptation. Again, in Genesis, the devil tempted Eve and Adam. Did God really say? What is it that the devil knew would be the result of the temptation? Separation from God. Isolation. Banishment. The devil was trying to get into those areas where we can be tempted by Netflix and DoorDash and as a result, remove ourselves from the 
power of connection. That's one of the reasons we use the word connect so much in the church experience, because we are designed for relationship, and we are designed to connect with others. And we experience this in our relationships, our humanly relationships, from when we are the tiniest, right, and we have people caring for us, when we grow up a little bit, we make some friends, and we realize that uh, school can be fun besides reading, writing, and arithmetic, if they still teach those things. I jest. But we realize that we develop these relationships. When we get older, then we realize uh, there are certain other kinds of relationships that really pique our interest, thanks to the pituitary gland and things that God also made. But I thought that was a little funnier than it was, but I guess it was subtle. We're going to keep going. But, uh, you know, all of our life really is about seeking relationships, isn't it? So much of it, though, gets back to that great St. Augustine quote. I had a professor called him Uncle Gus. You know, whenever we knew professor mentioned Uncle Gus, he was talking about St. Augustine. And we're not talking about Augustine, Florida. We're talking about Augustine of Hippo, but that's um, content for another day. But he was the one who made the statement that our hearts are restless. We were made for God, and our hearts will remain restless until we rest in thee, or rest in God. God made us for himself. We are restless in our life, and yes, even in our humanly, earthly relationships, until we learn to rest in God. It's not that God diminishes or devalues our human relationships. If you've been in a godly relationship, you realize quite the opposite. You recognize that there is a certain amount of sealing, so to speak. We use those words and those images in a marriage ceremony, but there's a certain amount of power that is kind of like that, well, spiritual, chemical, and electrical connection that brings us and binds us together that we only experience when we are allowing God to be Lord of our lives and not just living a Christian-themed life, but the life of a disciple where we come alongside someone else to follow Jesus. And this leads us to our second primary point. Weave life with God. So we're going to be finishing Morgan and Christian's marriage counseling, premarital counseling uh, in the next few minutes here. So just bear with me. I'm kidding. We've already done this part. But this is one of those passages that I use in all of my premarital work because it resonates with me in such a way that helps me to think about how it is that we are called to weave our life together with each other and with also with the Lord. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, we read these words. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone. I wanted to channel my inner Mr. T, but anyway, I'm sorry. Pity the fool, but I did it anyway. I apologize. Anyway, it's a holiday weekend, right? But, but, but pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. To this point, we see one and two. This next verse, but a cord of three strands... Is not easily broken. I'm getting the Jesus chills right now. All this talk about one and two. But then we get from Solomon, King Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, this wisdom that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. 
I think we as human beings do a pretty good job in our relationships with each other of weaving our lives together in certain ways, right? We do it around certain interests. We do it around certain tastes, sometimes a certain disinterests and distastes, right? Sometimes we connect with people over the, the craziest things, right? We have common interests in movies or uh, athletics or something like that, and we can develop these connections and these relationships with each other. But to make it really strong and binding, we see something else that the wisdom of Scripture gives us. We need a cord, not just of two strands, but of what? Three. So a question that I ask whenever I'm doing premarital work with someone is, what is your third strand? Well, thank you, David. <laughs> right? What is your third strand? Looking over Open Austin. I'm not going to ask you. We went through that a year or so ago. What is your third strand? So often, so often, that was a Freudian slip, so often we look at these things, our interests, to be that third strand. Things like DoorDash and Netflix. Things like the food we eat, the entertainment we enjoy. But those are fleeting things, are they not? Yes, they are, they're fleeting things. So what is it we need to wrap our lives around, to weave our lives around, that third strand that is eternal, it is timeless, and it is life-giving? It needs to be God. That's the difference. That's the difference in our healthy relationships, whether we're talking about a marriage relationship, a friendship, a dating relationship, a church relationship, a work relationship. Our third strand needs to be something that is life-giving and empowering, not something that seeks to take away from us or to drain us of our energy. We need to be weaving our lives together around God. I have a clergy mentor friend who never uses the word networking anymore. He prefers to use the word net weaving. That his idea about leading a church and being involved and active in the community is to help weave people together around that common strand, which is the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. And what is that love of God for us in Jesus Christ? It's grace. It's also forgiveness, those times when we run afoul of each other. It's mercy, those times when we'd really like to blow up somebody. We say, you, you know what, I'm just going to blow to God. <laughs> Sigh. Those are the powers of Jesus that we need to weave into our lives. Faith, hope, love, mercy, forgiveness. Next week, we're going to talk about service and sacrifice. As we shameless plug, bring our Hope at the Movies series back for 2023, but... Again, that's for next week. These are the common threads around which we experience in Jesus Christ that we need to weave into our lives. One of my favorite passages, I've taught on it, preached on it, written about it many, many times, is a time when Jesus was being tested and tried to be tricked by the religious leaders and the elite. They came to him and they asked him, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? You know, the Talmud, there's over 500 different laws and regulations and commandments. And so their thought was is that 
they could probably trick Jesus or trap Jesus into any one thing, right? But Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What Jesus did there, just a second, I'll get there. But what Jesus did there was he brought back the mindset of the Shema, which is the prayer that is central in the Jewish faith. It is prayed first thing in the morning and last thing at night, and it's oftentimes believed to be the last words someone who was uh, devoted to the Jewish faith utters before they make their transition. The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then Jesus added with all your strength to talk about putting it into action. But as though he wasn't done, he offered a second one. He said, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. He is giving us a picture of weaving our lives together with God, with all of our heart, the things that we feel, with all of our mind, the things that we think, with all of our soul, the vibrations that we experience in our inner world and our strength, the way that we manifest it and the way that we engage the world, thanks to the feelings that we feel and the thoughts that we think in that inner vibration that is constantly seeking to connect us to God and to other people. This, my friends, is one of the most powerful and beautiful things that we can take from the Lord. And it moves us into this idea that Jesus wants you to experience joy. Joy is not the same as happiness. All too often we want to equate it as such. And I believe you me, the devil wants you to equate happiness and joy. I've joked at myself before. I haven't been to Disney World in quite quite a few years now, but... I would always wonder how I could be so miserable at the happiest place on earth the last day I was there. Because it's a fleeting sense of happiness. It's not joy. Right? Joy is that constant state of being. Happiness can be fleeting based on our circumstances. Jesus wants our joy to be in him that is not contingent or dependent upon our circumstances. And this can be a challenge for us sometimes. Because there are times we're going to go through some, you know, Pardon the colorful language here. Some really nasty things. Right? Now, that was a parenthetical statement. I had about 10 different words in there, uh, but I self-edited to make it nasty. But there are times we're going to go through some pretty awful things in this world. Even Jesus himself experienced things. Remember before he goes to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, My soul is sorrowful even unto death. Yet Jesus still had joy because he knew the connection he had with the Father. He knew the connection that he had with other people, and he knew how he was the glue of grace, if you will, that was binding us and holding us all together. Friends, that's not the forces in Star Wars. It's a great metaphor. But Colossians tell us that Jesus is God's glue that is holding everything together throughout all time, throughout all space, and all energy, through all matter. Jesus is the glue of And so Jesus wants his joy to be made available for you and for me. In John chapter 15, verses 11 through 14, we read these words. I have told you these things. And this is really in the middle of Jesus' long discourse before he goes to the cross. He says, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
And my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus wants his joy to be ours. He wants us to think of it in a triangular or, dare I say, Trinitarian fashion. Where the love of God is at the top. The love of others feels that connection and the love of self that says, I am worthy of these relationships and these connections as well. To love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength. To love others, not others, but to love others as you love yourself. The things that we think, the things that we feel, those inner vibrations that we have that connect us, Jesus, others, yourself. These relationships, this joy that is bound and cemented in love and in grace. Jesus asks us to model what God himself models. God exists in perfect relationship. Have you heard that before? Please say. God exists in perfect relationship. And that perfect relationship manifests itself in the love that is poured out for us. The love that exists before we're ever aware of it. The love that saves us and tells us, I can't go there. And the love that invites us into a new, life-giving, life-saving relationship. Because of what Christ did on the cross when he died for our sins. And he was placed in the tomb. And there he went down to hell to say, nanny, nanny, boo-boo to all the devils and the demons that, uh, that, that left God, that betrayed God. And he led those who had been in hell out of hell, the harrowing of hell. Jesus did that for you and for me. And he's still present and powerfully active in our lives today. Leading us out of the experience of hell that we can experience here on this earth when we look around and we allow our circumstances to manage and dictate our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions to taint our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need that love of God and love of others that comes to be our joy that models the power of Jesus in our lives and it motivates us to go and be the hands and feet of Christ in this world that is so desperately in need of. That's the power of three, my friend. Jesus' joy that calls us into a relationship with him because of the love that we share and the reality that he has conquered hell and given us the ability to experience heaven on earth even when there's so much hell to see and smell. So here are your takeaways. For this last message in the series, we are all created for relationship. God wants to be the third strand around which we weave our lives. And Jesus gives us his joy. But before I move to our closing quote, I want to revisit how we begin this message in the series as Jesus gives us his joy. Do you remember when I told you the first time that God looked upon creation and said something was not good, what his response was to that? Do you remember that? Well, like 20 minutes ago, so hopefully. If your neighbor fell asleep, look them up. 
It wasn't that we were imperfect, but our experience of the perfection has not yet come. In 1 Corinthians 13, we read that when the perfect comes, the imperfect disappears. It's the power of the helper that comes to help us to experience life anew in a way that we never thought possible or we could even conceive of. But friends, I want this life-empowering nugget to be your primary takeaway. And I don't know why the person who made my screens didn't put this up there. I'm going to slap his wrist at some point this week. (laughs) In this whole narrative in John, before Jesus goes to the cross, he made a promise to the disciples. He said, I'm going to send you another helper. This time it's not just the helpmates that we experience in life. It is the power and sealing love of God and God's self as the Holy Spirit. This is not a coincidence about how God sees that humanity is alone, both individually and corporately. And he says, I need to send a helper. So I'm going to send a helpmate, a person, maybe a spouse, a friend, a parent-child relationship, somebody to be a helpmate for their life. But Jesus says before he goes to the cross that he is going to send another helper. And in this regard, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that comes in our lives and enables and empowers us to live for God, not just for ourselves, but in the context of our godly relationships. And so what we've got to do from this point forward, my friends, is to seek out the power of the Holy Spirit that is living in you and is living in me and living in all the people in this church and those who consider themselves believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And so we've got to find those connecting points so that we can go out into the world and we can share that this love of God is the real thing. That we are not created to be alone. That there are forces of evil at work in our lives and in our communities, in our governments, wherever, that are trying to isolate us and tell us that we're alone. That we have bad thoughts. That we have bad ideas. No, we've got to fight those, but fight them with love and fight them with joy. C.S. Lewis, is your closing quote, said these words, Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was what? The only one. I thought I was alone. I thought I was alone. It's not good for us to be alone, is it? From creation to a recreation. God continuously looks at us and says, it's not good to be alone. And again, when Jesus said he shares with us his joy and he promises us a helper, he says one other thing that has the power to change your life here this morning if you will allow it. He said, I no longer consider you slaves or servants because I've let you know my father's business. Because of that, 
I call you what? Friend. Jesus says, it is not good for us to be alone. We made that clear in the beginning. We're making that clear now. And we'll make that clear into eternity. When you have accepted the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you become Christ's friend. And he promised never to leave you alone. He promises to send you a helper. And he promises to give you his joy. All he asks for in return is your love. To love God and the people he's given you to do life with. The things that you feel, the thoughts that you think, those inner vibrations that motivate you to do things, and the strength and action it takes to see them through if you've not yet ex- accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to receive his help, the help of his Holy Spirit, I want to invite you this morning to not let this moment pass you by. Come and receive that grace of Jesus, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to come and live within you where he declares you his friend and he says, I am not going to leave you alone. And then when we look at the world and we say, I feel alone, but there's someone else in the world. It's not just another person who says, you like underwater basket weaving me too? I thought I was the only one. Jesus is like, I created you with that interest. I am empowering you with those talents. And I am deploying you to share that with others. In love. So that our joy may be complete. Because we're not alone. What a friend having Jesus indeed. Amen. As the band comes forward, I'm going to close our message in our series in prayer. And if you feel that you need to come and spend some time with our Father God here at the makeshift altar, I invite and encourage you to do so. But I want you to know that it's never good for any of us to be alone. We are not alone. God sends us his Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus to call us friend. And he's moving us relationally with other people so that our lives may be woven together by the power and the love of God. Pray with me. Almighty God, I thank you for today. And I thank you for how you've called us to consider these things that I just simply coined the power of three. Thank you for existing in relationship and giving us life and saving us from a life of sin and empowering us to live for you. Thank you for gracing us with your love, your mercy, your forgiveness that invites us into a relationship that forgives us of our past sins and welcomes us across the threshold into a whole brand new experience and understanding of what a life lived with you is all about. And Lord, thank you for conquering hell, conquering the isolation that the enemy wants to try to impress upon us. And thank you for weaving our lives into godly relationships as we find those connecting points with you and with others around things that bring you honor and glory. So Almighty God, for those who this morning may be seeing a life and relationship lived in you in a brand new way today, I give you thanks for doing the work that you promised to do. And for those perhaps who have made a new friend today or rekindled an existing one, may we take those you too 
moments and share them with the world to help all of us know that we are not designed to live in isolation. We can be tempted by the goodies and the conveniences of this world, but we are called to put ourselves out there for you and for the sake of others. So help us in all ways and all things, Lord, to experience true love and to find your joy made complete in our love and our lives. We give you the things that we feel, even though they can betray us at times. We give you the things that we think, even though they can betray us at times as well. But we ask that your spirit continue to motivate us and empower us to live for you. That we may go from this place devoted and deployed to share your hope and your faith and your love with a world so desperately in need of it. I ask this in the name of your Son and our Savior Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.